Welcome back to the Society Case Files podcast. My name is Robert Hazelton, and I'll be your host. Today, I'm going to talk about Destiny 2 a little bit, and I'm also going to dive into some Doctor Who stuff and a few other things as they come up. Got a lot to talk about, so I'm going to dive right in. If you've listened to this show for any real length of time, you know that I was a huge Destiny 2 fan. In fact, it was my big hobby. I talked about that many, many times. But in recent weeks and months, I've sort of lost interest in the game all around and drifted away from it to play other things. Now, this is in part due to the fact that some actual fun games came out, such as the Jedi Fallen Order and Red Dead Online and that sort of thing for the PC, but also because Destiny 2 took a dramatic shift away from what I found fun about it and put the focus on something else. And that something else is bounties. The only way to really advance either your seasonal rank or even just to get materials and money is to do bounties now. Uh, just running raids all the time without taking them is kind of crazy because you really do need those bounties to be progressing you. So what that essentially means is that you are grabbing bounties that require you to constantly change your build out. So you're using shotguns here and then swords and bows and auto rifles. The concept of a build that you just like is sort of out the window. So for me, I used to run uh, a hand cannon in my primary and either a shotgun or a pulse rifle in my secondary and then a sword in my tertiary. And that's not really viable anymore with the way that the bounties are set up. Now, there's plenty of bounties out there where you just got to go out and kill a certain number of mobs. But when you start taking a lot of them, you're going to be swapping weapons. And that just that got old for me. And, and while I'm a, I admit that sounds like I'm being a bit of a baby, I guess, I, I just didn't like it. It wasn't fun for me to have to constantly shift out my build and also constantly be trying to keep up 9, 10 weapons uh, to the same level light that I was uh, using with the rest of my gear. Now, recently, they just changed up something else with the last 12 days of the season to go and now you can actually buy seasonal ranks with silver now silver if you don't know is the uh, currency that uh, costs real world money so a hundred silver is basically a buck you can get 500 silver for 4.99 and then there's discounts for more but the seasonal ranks are something that will reset at the end of the season so even if you got to a hundred you're going to lose it all because it's going to get back set to zero for the next season. Uh, sort of like a battle pass and paladins or something like that. So you get all the gear along the way, which is kind of cool because there's some exotic engrams in there and some uh, seasonal specific uh, emblems and that kind of thing. But ultimately, you're buying something that will just reset. Uh, maybe that's not a big deal because you're going to get all the gear along the way, but it just seems like a pretty lame cash grab. And if you were lower level and you started doing this, then you're going to get those power boosts as well, because every so often when you level it up, it's leveling up your item thing, the uh, seasonal item, and that item is giving you additional power uh, levels uh, to your light, and it's also increasing your uh, ability to slot things in that item. So I guess it's hard for me to just outright call this pay to win. But it definitely is pay to get an extra 10 levels of light if you want to look at it like that. And it's even worse than that in some regards because now you're paying to get exotic items and paying to get other things too along the way. 
and maybe for some people that's a pretty good deal, but $1 for every level, and there's 100 levels. So before I gave up, I got up to the 57th level in the season, and then I just I couldn't do it anymore. I was, I was sick of the grind. But if I wanted to go up to the rest, I guess what would cost me, 33 bucks, 43 bucks. I, I mean, that's crazy. Now, to be generous, I could see this being beneficial if you were at, like, level 97. <laughs> and it was really close to the end of the season. And you just had to get whatever that is at the 100th level. And you spend 3 bucks or even 10 I guess I could see that. And that's kind of cool that you could do it. But, again, I just... I personally don't place enough value on the stuff on that on that line obviously because I gave up playing but I don't know I mean are a lot of people going to do this is this an obvious grab that I just missed my friend said that it is an obvious grab and I was like wow it wasn't so obvious to me in fact I was really shocked that they would even put it up there because it feels insulting it is so ridiculous but you know people people probably will spend the money on it and why not I guess but for me I think that's really lame and the game itself shifting the focus to those to those bounties uh, on one hand it gave us a lot of great stuff to do all the time but on the other those bounties are just tedious after a while and it becomes more of a grind than it ever was before and for that reason alone, I just, you know, there's other games out there to try and and go and grind in those for a while and at least have a fresh um, palette to look at, like Red Dead Online. I'm not going to say that it isn't a grind. The last couple of things I've done in the game were basically riding around doing collections. And while that is definitely a uh, a grind that might not be very much fun i got to see some gorgeous graphics and it was just neat to be in a different environment destiny doesn't really put out enough material to make it fun to do the same strikes 800 times or however many times we've done them i'd love to see a statistic that showed how many times i've run the prison of elders strike it's way too many i can tell you that and probably the big straw that broke the camel's back for me involved the Iron Banner and that ridiculous quest that you had to run in order to even spend your tokens. And on one hand, it was kind of smart because I had a lot of tokens and I would have got a bunch of Iron Banner stuff right off the bat. But on the other, I mean, looking at those, I was just disheartened. And maybe they're not so bad, but I've never had a lot of luck with fusion rifles in PvP. And one of the requirements was to get a bunch of PvP kills with the damn thing. So I was immediately bowed out of the Iron Banner at that point. I, I really preferred their old method where there was a quest and it would grant you something cool at the end. But it wasn't essential to progress in that activity. And considering that the activity only happens a few times a season, it seemed to particularly exclusive to more casual players uh, who who don't have the time to dedicate to finishing that quest and grinding out the uh, different bounties which you need in order to get the the best gear all around i feel like destiny kind of tanked after going to free to play it was a concern i mentioned before in the earlier uh, episodes of this podcast but now i am absolutely convinced that they did 
kill the game for the people who are currently playing it. Now, if you're brand new to it and you've never played before and you dove into the free to play option, you don't know any better and maybe it's a lot of fun. But having played it prior to the free to play, I can say that this has been abysmal. It's it's horrible. I used to play way too much. I have over a thousand hours in Destiny 2. Uh, 67 hours on Steam now. So when I compare that to the fact that I have just literally lost my will to play it, that tells me that either one, I finally did outgrow Destiny, which I don't believe, or two, the changes they made are such that they finally ostracized me in particular. And here I was, I was seriously thinking of upgrading my Xbox because I've only got the Xbox One. I don't have the Xbox One X. And I'd really like to get the 4K version if I'm going to use it. Uh, Game Pass Ultimate has a lot of games. I'm going to talk about that in a second. But I was going to pick up Destiny for that and then do some cross-play. That way I could level up my character out in the living room. And then if my friends wanted to do something, I'd come in here and jump on the PC version. But, but the fact that they decided to sell season ranks... Maybe this is childish. I admit it. But it just... It just strikes me the wrong way, and I really don't want to buy anything else from them at this point. Uh, maybe I'm having a, a crazy reaction, and I'm just knee-jerking, but uh, I just can't do it. I can't do it right now, at least. Maybe I'll cool off, and things will be different, but right now I'm pretty offended by that change. So uh, That's all I'm going to say about Destiny 2 right now, but I think that's more than enough, and it really does give you an idea of what they've done to this game for a long-time gamer to have walked away from it. A long-time fan. I, I've got clothes from Destiny 2 from some of the achievements. And this year, much as I love werewolves, I still didn't get the werewolf shirt. Anyway, that's all that there is to say. Let's move on. Let's talk about the Game Pass Ultimate from Xbox. I picked up the beta version for the PC, which was only $4.99 a month, and you actually got it for a dollar for the first month, and that was so I could play the game Outer Worlds, uh, which was a great game, and it was way worth more than that, but uh, I got to play it for a dollar, so yay. Um, for Black Friday, they offered Game Pass Ultimate for three months for one dollar. And that includes what I already had. So before I even spent my $4.99, I was able to upgrade and have three months for a dollar. And now I've got all the games on the Xbox. Now, first, I swear I looked through the um, differences and I didn't see enough to make it worth it to me to get Xbox Ultimate. But once I was out uh, checking out the Xbox, I was playing Rock Band the other day, actually. And I happened to notice that the game After Party was on Game Pass Ultimate, and it's not on the PC version. My wife really wanted to try that game, which, if you don't know what it is, I'll have a link down below. It's it's pretty funny. We've only played a little bit, so I can't talk too much about it yet. But in any event, uh, I wanted to, to get her the ability to play After Party, so I upgraded to the Game Pass Ultimate, $1, and then I started going through the games. And it's insane. They've got so many great titles that I wanted to try, just wasn't willing to spend $20, $30, $60 on. Been able to install a bunch of games from the Xbox 360 days, get a little nostalgia on. It's been absolutely worth it, and I've only had it for like four days. I really love it. I've always said in this podcast that the Xbox subscription is probably the best because it has that cross-platform benefit that you can play games on your PC and on the Xbox. 
but more importantly, the Ultimate version really does provide a lot more uh, product for your buck. And you get the um, ability to not only install all those games, but you also have Xbox Gold on top of that. So even after the three months for $1, the $14.99, including game or uh, gold, means that you're getting Ultimate for only an extra 5 bucks, And that is absolutely worth it. I really do recommend that you go and check out the titles available and see if there's anything on there that you'd like to try. There are some brand new games. There's Gears of War 5 is up there and some other stuff. And there's some older games. That Quantum Brain game, I really wanted to try it, but it didn't get the greatest reviews, but it's up there available. I got Marvel versus Capcom Infinite, which I really wanted to try, but, you know, fighting games don't have as long of a shelf life for me because I just dink around with them and move on. That's on there. I installed that. My Perfect Dark Zero that I had on the Xbox 360, that's available. Anyway, the titles are pretty extensive, and I really do recommend giving it a try. I think you'd be pretty happy. There's plenty available. So Game Pass Ultimate, definitely worth your time to check out. Uh, And if you use Mixer to stream, the Xbox is set up for that very nicely too. So all around, try that out. See what you think. So I have a VR. I've got the HTC Vive, and it's pretty neat. I enjoy it. Uh, The first game I played on it was Fallout 4 because when I bought it, it came with the game for free. And the first hour of that was utter magic. It is so freaking cool. But once I got a heavier weapon and I was swinging it around like it was a nerf sword, in this case the uh, Gatling cannon thing, um, I I sort of lost my immersion and and I'd already beaten Fallout 4 so I kind of stopped. Then, for my birthday, someone bought me Skyrim VR. Now, these two games are insane to be on VR, because they're huge. There's a lot to do in them. Even the base games without all the expansions are really, really, really big. Uh, Skyrim was terrifying. I was walking down the road in the game at the end of the intro, and I heard a noise, and when I turned around, I mean, there was a wolf trying to tear my face off, and it actually did give me a good jump scare. You know, you're swinging your sword around, and it's actually a lot of fun. You know, it's bad on the knees, but it's but it's a fun experience. But again, I'd already beat beaten Skyrim multiple times, so the opportunity to play it in VR didn't really do much for me. I didn't really need to play it again, basically. So much as I had fun with that initial ooh ah, you know, throwing spells and and actually swinging the sword or blocking, I, I just. It wasn't really for me. So, you know, again, there's another game that I just basically had to walk away from. Now, more recently, I found a game that I really did want to try. Uh, I hadn't used the VR in so long. I had to find all the parts and get it all set up. It actually took me two freaking days to find everything and get it all set back up. Once I did, I loaded up the game Doctor Who The Edge of Time. Now, this just came out, and uh, I guess in November... I was surprised I hadn't heard of it sooner. It is basically a VR adventure game. It's mostly just puzzles and walking around, but you've got all of the stuff that makes Doctor Who what it is. Uh, Right off the bat, you start off in the laundromat, and the doctor starts talking to you. It's Jodie, by the way. And she tells you that you need to help her save the universe. And then this time glitch happens, 
and the normal laundromat turns into this terrifying sort of twisted nether realm with monsters in the in the washing machines so you go in the back room and you got to get the power back on and then you get into this safe and in the safe she's managed to get you this sonic screwdriver then you go outside and you do some other stuff but uh it is just so freaking awesome for a fan of doctor who it's it's not the greatest game per se because some of the puzzles are um they're not super hard they're just slightly annoying and i'll explain why in a second but like just the sound effects are all there it's fully licensed so it's all exactly as you would expect and you're able to use the sonic screwdriver pretty much the way they use it in the show and when you board the tardis it's i mean you're you really feel like you're there you know you're wearing headphones and it's fully immersive uh, a great example of, of just one of their attentions to detail is when the phone rang, I grabbed it, and the further away I held it from my head, the quieter it was. So I had to actually hold the phone up to my ear in order to hear it well. So they, they did a great job in that regard. The annoying aspects of the puzzles that I'm talking about um, involve the constant badgering from the NPCs that you need to do something. So, like, I got stuck on this puzzle where I had to move uh, these things to different sockets. And I was having a hard time because there's these diagrams that you use. And then you pull this lever to see if you successfully put them in the right place. And when I was pulling the lever, it wasn't working, even though I thought I had it correct. And the whole time, the NPC is like, I think you can move those. And and just over and over again, the exact same phrases and and. That got very irritating very quickly. Uh, when I looked it up, I saw that I had it correct, but I wasn't pulling the lever down enough. And in VR, that means something. You know, if you just like flick it, it doesn't go down all the way. So I really had to get a different angle on the item and pull it all the way down, and then it worked. And that's true of several of the puzzles in the game, is that in order to make the part work that you're messing with, you have to make sure that you actually get it spun all the way around or whatever. Um, other than that and those small problems i've had some jump scares it's been super immersive i wish you moved a little faster but that's that's neither here nor there all around i say they did a fantastic job and for 25 bucks it was well worth it uh of course you already have to have your oculus or your htc vive but if you have one and it's just sitting around this might be for you especially if you're a doctor who fan if you're not really a Doctor Who fan, I'm not entirely sure you would really enjoy this very much. I think it's very niche, and it is geared towards people like me. I mean, when I boarded the TARDIS, I, I have to admit I got pretty choked up. But if you're just, like, casual fan, this might not be for you. It's it's very specifically for fans. There's all kinds of little fan service things throughout, phrases used, that kind of thing. I'm not going to spoil anything if you want to try it, but all around... I really, really love it. It's The Edge of Time, Doctor Who. It's on Steam, $24.99. Definitely worth it. Give it a shot. Speaking of Doctor Who, I just recently finished Season 8 of the Peter Cabaldi season, the very first season that he shows up as the Doctor. And I have to say that all around, I found it to be not good at all. Uh, I mean, there were some episodes I enjoyed. I really loved Peter Cabaldi. But there were so many little things about the season I didn't like, and the way it wrapped up just made me mad. I gotta be honest, I was actually angry by the ending. 
So the next part of what I'm about to say is going to include some serious spoilers. And if you haven't watched the season yet and you intend to, and you like to be surprised, you might want to stop now. But if you want to hear my opinions on the whole situation, uh, listen on. So spoilers begin now. I thought that they really wrapped up the master storyline incredibly well at the end of David Tennant's run as the Doctor. I don't really feel like he needed to ever come back to be perfectly honest. But we know that he does all the time. It's been quite clear in the old show that he keeps showing up and he's always an ass. So, I mean, I guess I shouldn't have been totally surprised when he shows back up in this season, but it feels like everything that happened to him didn't matter. He's just as crazy and just as nuts and it doesn't matter what he went through before. How did he even survive? Apparently, in Season 9, his storyline concludes, or should I say, her storyline concludes, and it's supposed to be satisfying, and I'll find out later. Uh, Let me explain a little more. I, I think that after everything that the Master went through, finding out that the Master's insanity was created by the Time Lords should have given that character some closure and a sense of being able to move on, but instead... They're just as nuts. And so when you meet Missy, who is the new master, or in her case, mistress, she's just randomly murdering people and causing havoc and doing God knows what. And I don't know, I just felt it was it was really cheap. And the way that they just cast characters aside without a second thought was ridiculous. I, I mean, it's not Game of Thrones. And yet here we are throwing... Osgood to the wolves, just dead instantly. Uh, apparently, she comes back. I mean, it is timey wimey, I guess, but that episode was just unsatisfying on every level for me. And then the little post credit scene made it clear that maybe they felt the same way. Maybe the developers and writers of Doctor Who came to the realization that they had made a mistake with that episode. I don't know. I'm I'm sure I'm crazy in that regard. But considering that Santa shows up and says, is that really how you're going to leave it? Made me think, wow, maybe, maybe they need to do some retconning. I genuinely felt like I didn't necessarily need to see season nine at the end of season eight. But then I watched the Christmas special. I just, I decided, you know what? I'm going to see what this is all about. It also got some really good reviews. And I have to say, Each time they have kind of lost me with their season finale, they come up with a special that drags me right back in. And this did that to the T. It was great. I really enjoyed that uh, sort of alien on the North Pole nonsense. And Nick Frost as Santa was hilarious. All around, it brought me back to the show. I watched the prologue for the next season. And I'm I'm back in. I'm definitely going to watch season 9. A friend of mine told me that he thought Season 9 was much better than Season 8. So I look forward to checking it out. And uh, hopefully I'll get through Seasons 9 and 10 before HBO takes over the streaming. Because I I don't want to pay them any money. And I don't really want to buy these seasons because I'm not in love with them. I don't really see that I'd go back and watch episodes on them. Other than maybe one-off just to see if I miss some Easter egg or something. But all around... Let me just say, I really love Peter Cabaldi as the Doctor. I don't love the writing he had for his first season. And all around, I feel like they kind of dropped the ball. 
I look forward to talking to you guys again about season nine, and maybe I'll have a very different perspective on the whole thing. Maybe, maybe it will make season eight better. I don't know, but regardless, that's that's what's going on with my Doctor Who journey, and we'll talk about that more later. Slightly Doctor Who related, I watched the movie Charlie Says about Charles Manson, where Matt Smith plays uh, Charlie himself. And I have to say that movie was just okay. I I think that it was well made for the most part, but there were so many little things they could have done to make it better. I think that one of the big things that it suffered from was comparison since it came out so close to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and that was just an entertaining romp, a fairy tale so to speak, and this movie was trying to approach the subject matter from a much more serious place. It really does focus on the three girls, but I don't think it did any one thing enough to do all of it well. It tried to do too much with a two-hour movie, and in the end, you got sort of a Cliff Notes primer version of the Manson family. Uh, Definitely not enough to be a substantial biopic by any means at all, and that's a shame because I like Mary Heron's other movies. I, I liked The Moth Diaries. I liked American Psycho. But this movie just fell a little flat. It was also just... Uh, the subject matter itself is disturbing and a little disgusting. But what's very interesting is that I, I associate Mary with American Psycho, which is just horrifying. I mean, you see a lot of really nasty stuff happen in it. But... In the Charlie Says movie, they actually gloss over the actual murders. You sort of see the aftermath where they're, like, covered in blood and that sort of thing. But you don't see them actually commit the murders. In fact, I can only remember one act of extreme violence being shown. And I'm not going to describe it, but it it did happen. It was a little shocking, but not as bad as uh, it could have been, I suppose. But I can't really recommend Charlie Says to anyone. It's, It's just not really worth seeing. If you are really interested in Charles Manson, you probably already know everything you need to know. You could go watch some of his interviews on YouTube and get get what you need out of that. Watching Matt Smith do it was a little disturbing. He did a fantastic job. They gave him that long hair and the beard and he looked a heck of a lot like him. It was it was really impressive. The one thing that I found different, so after I watched it, I went and watched some interviews with uh, Charles Manson himself. And Matt Smith nailed some of his mannerisms way too well. The laugh, he had it perfect. It was creepy. His voice is a little different in in a, in a in a way that made him seem less crazy, I guess is the best way to put it. But other than that, the guy deserves serious props for embodying one of the most reprehensible people we can think of these days. Uh, especially after I watched the interviews with Charles Manson himself. So all around, if you've just got to see Matt Smith do something different, I guess go for it. But then there's that other movie, Open Secrets, where he's a reporter, and I feel like that might be a better choice if you need to get a Matt Smith fix. I also threw on Pride and Prejudice and Zombies and watched him playing that, and, and he does a great job in there. He's really funny. I, I I don't know. I guess I'd go for a different way of enjoying Matt Smith's performances than to go to Charlie Says. But if you don't have a problem with the subject matter and you don't, you know, you're not going to get depressed about it, then then maybe give it a shot. It was free to rent 
on Amazon Prime when I watched it. And uh, that's how I ended up seeing it. I'm not sure if it's still free, but you might check that out if you want to see this movie. So anyway, that's all I got to say about that. Let's move on. Those of you who used to use iTunes might have noticed that things have changed considerably in recent updates. There's no more iTunes application that encompasses all the media, but now rather three different apps. We've got the Apple TV app, we've got a podcast app, and we've got a music app. And I personally find it totally lame. I hate it. <laughs> and it's not just because it's different. I probably wouldn't care if they would have kept all the functionality from iTunes and just put them into three different apps. Fine, you want to subdivide it? Cool. But it's very inconvenient when I used to use it for everything. It was my music, it was my TV shows, it was my movies, it was my podcast. They were all in one place and it was super convenient to do a quick search, find what I wanted to watch or listen to, and then just put it on and move on. But now we've got all of the different places to go. So we got to open up three different apps if we want to use our different media. And then on top of that, I went to watch a movie the other day and I was hoping to find out what version it was specifically. Uh, there's multiple versions of the soundtrack and oftentimes in the reviews, you could find that out. They'd say something like, hey, this isn't the original. You're going to be renting the new version or whatever the case may be. So I go to look and there's no more reviews. Reviews are just gone. User reviews, toast. Lots of people had dozens if not hundreds of reviews on there and they just seem to be gone you can't find them so a great example is i just happened to see that there's this show dickinson and it's about emily dickinson as a as a teenager and it's uh, i guess it's an apple tv exclusive i think i'm not entirely sure but there's no review there's no star rating there's no rotten tomatoes no metacritic nothing and yes, it is Apple TV. I don't know why they decided to do that. Because now I have to leave the application in order to go and find any information about what other people thought. Or critics. I guess that's not too big of a deal. But it was really nice when the application had all of that right here for me to see. Now, it is on the Apple TV version out in the living room. That has at least the Rotten Tomatoes on some of this stuff. Maybe not on a Apple TV exclusive, I'm not sure. But I think that's pretty lame. Now, let's add to that fact that Apple TV Plus came out pretty much right around the same time as Disney Plus. I don't know anybody who has Apple TV Plus yet. Nobody I've talked to has jumped on that. But they certainly didn't have as big of a compelling reason to grab it as Disney did with The Mandalorian. So... I'm not sure what the benefit is. This show about a young poet appeals to me because, I mean, that was one of my one of my focuses when I was in college was poetry, and I love Dickinson's work, so I'd be kind of amused to watch this. But am I going to get another streaming service for that? Probably not. Uh, I know they've got a bunch of shows on here, but they don't really... None of them have really grabbed me. I'm not interested in that C show. That just sounds weird. I don't know. The morning show didn't do anything for me. Ghost Rider didn't do anything for me. So all around, they didn't have anything to grab me. Maybe maybe quite a few people had to jump on board to see Jason Momoa with those creepy contacts. 
I don't know. But it feels like that was a poor timing decision to put it out up against something like Disney+. Plus. I mean, why not, why not put it out in December? But I guess they had to get it in early so they could try and grab some fourth quarter earnings or something. Who knows? But uh, whatever the case may be, I don't know. It feels like Apple's been making some really strange and quite honestly crap decisions lately. This breaking up the different apps, taking out user reviews throwing their streaming service up. Oh, and let's talk about the fact that their streaming service requires the app. So if you want to watch this on your Apple TV, you're golden. You want to watch it on your iPad, your iMac, no problem. You want to watch it on your Samsung TV, you better have the right one. It's not even out for all the TVs yet. It's not available on my TV. It's not available on the Xbox or the PlayStation. So rather than top load the opportunity for people to watch their material they didn't even put out an app for all of the different places that could have it so i mean did they want to succeed do they just not care because these shows don't look cheap especially c there's some pretty intense scenery in that and it looks like it cost a lot of money even if it only cost a few million that's ridiculous that not everybody even has the ability to watch it because not a lot of people have the exact configuration to watch this stuff. And most people are not going to just want to watch it on their iPad. They're going to want to watch it on TV. And they're not going to want to do Apple Play, which they may or may not be able to do with their TV. So all around, talk about dropping the ball. It feels like this was a real poorly thought out, crappy implementation of something they shouldn't have even done. But... I know that I'm exceptionally opinionated about most things, but this one in particular felt like a big waste of time. And all around, I think that Apple deserves to get a good slapping for all of this stuff in general. Anyway, that's all I'm going to say about it. It just it just makes me crazy to even think they would have wasted all that time and money and given the users such a poor experience. One last thing. I have recently finished a book trailer for Nightlife Interrupted. It was a fully animated trailer with some voice acting, and it really does sum up the book and give you a great idea of what it's about. I'm going to include the link below. You should definitely check it out. It's pretty funny, and I really love that I got to embody Vinny in such a way and have him talk about gaming and his, his, his adventure and all that stuff. So be sure to click on that link below and check out Vinny talking about nightlife interrupted all right that's it for this week thank you very much for listening to the show i appreciate you stopping by if you liked what you heard and you want to hear more be sure to check out our website you can find us at www.societycasefiles.com or www.roberthazelton.com don't forget to follow or support the project at ko-fi.com slash societycasefiles Thanks again. Have a great week.